Let's talk about eight-year-olds this week. So um, over the next few minutes, you're going to learn what to do when your eight-year-old asks you what sex is. You tell him you'll get back to him with a good answer, but he never asks again. So welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul, and I sit in a car with you each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And I'm cleaning off my whiteboard here. For those of you on the podcast, I'm going to draw a picture, but I will explain it as we go along because the answer for the question this week, which is, you know, your eight-year-olds ask you a question of what sex is. You've said you'll get back to them with the answer because maybe you weren't sure how to say it or any of the other reasons. Maybe you are taken aback by the question. Um, and he never asks again. And so there's no opening to tell him the information that you've thought of. So the answer to this question comes from some of the supporting concepts that underpin um, the pillars of the Evolved Family Method. So I'm just going to draw a picture here because I want to show you. Here are the three pillars of the Evolved Family Method. So for those of you on the podcast, one is kindness, one is growth, and one is courage right? But underneath those three pillars, there are six um, core principles. One, two, three, four, five, six. And we're going to talk about these core principles today. Not all of them because we don't have enough time and it would be overwhelming anyway. But we're going to talk, I think, about three. One, two, three. So let's get going. So what you might be doing if you have this same situation or a question like this is waiting till you feel like you have the exact right words and um, you even still might feel a bit stuck when you have the right words so you're waiting maybe for the stuck feeling to go away and um, you don't really have a sense of how to start a conversation without a child's question so there is a lot of unknowns when you have a situation like this where a child has asked a question and you've had to get back to them um, and you know those unknowns that keep us stuck it makes sense that we have them right because uh, again we usually don't have a role model um, who has shown us what it looks like to start a conversation out of thin air about something sensitive with a child, particularly if they're um, eight, nine or 10 around that, that age group. So it makes sense that you feel maybe a little bit stuck and it's okay. And reaching out for help is exactly the right next step. You know, there's a common fallacy out there that we follow our child's lead when it comes to conversations about sensitive stuff. I won't be the first person that said that to you. You've probably read that in blog posts and I'm um, seeing it in parenting advice columns and the problem with that advice and following that advice is uh, when our child's not leading what do we do then as in this case our child isn't leading um, they asked us once and they didn't ask again and I guess the question is where else in parenting do we follow our child's lead when it comes to things to do with their safety their sense of self-respect their self-esteem their ability to be compassionate with themselves, their ability to accept their wonderful diverse self for who they are. Like nowhere else do we do that, right? So um, there's advice that doesn't help when it comes to trying to start a conversation from no conversation. And um, when we follow that advice of um, 
following our child's lead, it's a clear sign that the courageous tongue-tied parent effect has come into play because we want to do the absolute best for our child. We're courageous and moving forward, yet we don't have the advice or the skills that help us do that movement. We have the will, but we don't have the way. The courageous tongue-tied parent effect, it feels like, oftentimes it feels like, worry that our child will not have enough information to keep themselves safe and happy and learn about who they really are and stand up for what they need. It also feels like um, anxiety around maybe having missed the boat, you know, when, we, when we're sort of following this follow the child's lead advice. Um, and so it makes sense that we would be stuck. Okay, and again, it's, it's not your fault. These feelings are completely natural um, and it's, it's, it's okay. You're not a bad parent. So let's have a look at what to do when your eight-year-old has asked you a question about what sex is, but they never asked again. Um, and so you don't really know how to create the momentum of the conversation. Step one. Now, I'm just gonna put something out there. This might not be easy. This might actually challenge your very idea of what parenting is or your role in the family because step one is to apologize. And um, that might feel icky and weird, particularly if you grew up in a family where adults didn't apologize. Um, you know, if there's often a culture of the adults know best, children are only children, they don't have enough experience to know what's best for them. Um, and so apologizing to kids is a relatively new concept in the parenting space. But an apology would look something like this and it creates momentum. So it does two things. It um, models what um, taking responsibility for actions look like. And we all want young people who can do that. Um, and it creates momentum for the conversation. So apologies look like this. I need to apologize to you. Um, I've realized that I dropped the ball a few months or years ago, whatever it is, you asked me what sex is and um, I said I would find out and come back to you and I didn't know how to start the conversation and I'm really sorry about that. And then that's it. Now what you notice is I don't go on and tell him what sex is because it is quite possible that uh, he already knows by now. Maybe you find out in the playground or looked it up in the dictionary or something googled it goodness knows what came up that there right so um so just wait i had an experience um along those lines a little bit where uh, a child asked me a question about something to do with porn this would have been maybe almost 10 years ago now and i had to go away and think about it because it still wasn't super clear in my head and I came back a few days later and I said, oh, I've been thinking about porn. And this child says, oh, don't worry. I worked it out for myself. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't do that face. For those of you in the podcast, I'm doing a silent screaming face. Because <laughs> who knows what information my child got uh, and how accurate it was. But just to let you know, you're not alone, right? So the, the apologizing is a really important part. Point two. Give yourself permission to speak up and start conversations. One way that I know how to do that is um, get clear on all the conversations that are appropriate and helpful for children to have as they're growing up. 
Um, in the Evolved Family Method, we have inside the growth pillar, we have nine different pyramid topics. Um, all different things, gender and bodies and babies and emotions and relationships and rights and responsibilities. Those are seven that are up the top of my head and there are, there are more. So um, each of those pillars have sometimes up to a hundred topics um, of ways to talk to kids of different ages about those specific uh, pyramids of information and they're designed to be layered on over time so we're not just coming in when our child is 14 and talking about uh, sexual assault we're starting from when our child is two and three and four and we're layering on very simple concepts about how to say yes and how to say no and how to listen to someone else's um, what they need and how to respect other people's feelings and how to listen and you know it's very nuanced and very beautiful and very simple right at the beginning so when we give ourselves permission to talk about all these sorts of things um, it makes it easy to create momentum because we're not having to push through that feeling of am I doing the right thing every time we want to start a conversation with a child in our care so that's super important how do you give yourself permission to start momentum one of the ways you do that is to get really clear on all the topics that are possible to talk about with a child that is the age your child or children are before we go on to step three I just want to add something else um, we live in a broken world and what I mean by that is um, raising children to have intelligence and um, skills around their sexuality their developing sexuality is a massive job and unfortunately a lot of us live in countries and cultures where the lion's share or most of the responsibility will fall to the family and usually um, that will be a parent or a guardian guardian or a step parent or a foster parent or a you know whatever sort of parent you are and that is a really tall order so while step two is about giving yourself permission to talk about things there's also the other side of that coin which is understanding that I think it's safe to say that is almost humanly impossible for one adult or even a pair of adults to provide a child with every single conversation that they need to have um, with every single bit of information they need to have. This sort of socialization and raising um, a confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them, like I say every single week on this podcast, should be a joint effort. Our media should be involved in this. Um, schools absolutely help in this and can do more if they have a culture where they're um, able to communicate clearly and practically with um, children and the young people. Um, wider families can help with this thing too. Caring, trusted adult friends, cousins, sports clubs. Um, if we lived in a culture where there was um, a sense of respect for raising this part of a new young person then it wouldn't all fall to us so I just want to remind you that um, don't seek perfectionism give yourself compassion and care even if you do have a sense of everything that can be spoken about and you know you're just not getting to it every time um, it's okay it's okay 
we're all doing the best we can with what we have and um, there are skills that we can learn to help ourselves cope with living in a broken world and we can give those skills to our children too. Step number three, how can we re-educate ourselves and adults um, about the fact that just because something feels awkward doesn't mean it's wrong or um, bad to talk about. So in the situation, this, this question that we've been looking at today, whereas an eight-year-old has come and asked what sex is, we've gone away to find out what the information is, and then it feels super awkward and we're like, when is he gonna ask and when am I gonna be able to give my, my knowledge? Um, there is that sense of awkwardness. And when we um, trust the feeling of awkwardness, then we don't have permission to uh, create the momentum for ourselves because our body and our nervous system is telling us there is something dangerous and something wrong about this conversation we want to have. Um, and you hear me talk over and over and over and over again here on Sitting in a Car how um, our nervous system is programmed from experiences in our past and our nervous system is designed to keep us safe, right? So it will, at the first hint of anything that has felt awkward or dangerous in the past, it will send signals to our, to our body that says, run away, fight the urge to have this conversation. This is dangerous. We've learned that from the past. Do not go here. Red light, red light, red light, <laughs> right? So um, rather than having those sensations of awkwardness or panic and listening to them and trusting them, how can we upskill ourselves to look at those sensation of awkwardness and panic and understand that they don't serve us, they don't help our child anymore, and we need to learn how to do things differently. So you've just heard how to um, reignite a conversation about what sex is with an eight-year-old who asked about it a while back and then never asked it again. But um, it's important to remember that uh, we need more than just the reminder that yes, we're allowed to start this conversation and um, these are the ways to start momentum in our relationship with our kids. Um, it can be really useful to learn specific strategies to start conversations about sensitive stuff with children in a way that builds connection because we have been socialized to talk about sensitive stuff maybe in ways that don't build connection. So remember that, be kind to yourself, but also acknowledge that this stuff is super important to help our child have everything they need to um, navigate this weird and wacky world they live in. If you would like to find out more information about how to have sensitive conversations with the children or child in your care in a way that builds deeper connections, um, can I invite you to go over to sarahsproul.com forward slash evolve. Put your name down there to find out when the Evolve School opens next and I can do the rest of the work. You don't have to worry anymore about, you know, when am I going to get um, the information that I need to do this to the best of my ability. So um, you're invited to uh, come onto that list and um, I'll let you know when that school is opening soon. Bye for now. <laughs>